0: Ah. <laughs> As we're looking at this, this week we're going to be in chapter six. We're going to finish out chapter six. We're going to be in verses fifteen through twenty-three. And as I was looking at the verse this week, I was reminded of of a story about Abraham Lincoln, who is one of my uh, favorite presidents, and I think one of the greatest presidents in the history of our country because of the impact that he made uh, on our country. Uh, He, at the end of the Civil War, uh, the Confederate capital was Richmond, Virginia. It fell to the Union Army, and when it fell. Lincoln wanted to go visit uh, the the capital. He wanted to go visit Richmond. So he pulls into Richmond, and as soon as he pulled in, all the slaves recognized him. They thronged around him. I mean, they loved him because he had just liberated them with the Emancipation Proclamation. And so obviously, he was one of their favorite guys ever. And so they thronged around him, and he gave them a speech. And he said, my friends, you are as free as the air. He said, you can take the name of slave and you can trample on it because it no longer applies to you. You are free. But then he gave them a warning. He said, do not abuse your freedom. Show the world that you merit your freedom. Don't go into excess. Learn the laws and obey the laws. You know what? That is exactly what Paul has been telling Christians in chapter 6 of Romans. You see, in, in, in chapters 2 and 3, Paul told us that we are slaves to sin at birth. He said we are born depraved. We're born with this sin that we inherited from Adam and Eve. When they sinned, we sin. We were born spiritually dead in our sins, slaves to sin, uh, separated from God. But in chapters 3 through 5, he goes into justification. He he talks about how we're redeemed, how we're set free from sin, uh, how we're redeemed and we're made right with God, not because of what we've done, but because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. It is sola gracia, grace alone, sola fide, faith alone. Grace alone, faith alone. It's all grace, right? Now, he knew that grace, the doctrine of grace, the, the gospel of grace would be misunderstood, it would be misused, and it would be abused. And so he spends chapter 6, verses 1 through 14, answering a question. He knew what would be asked because of uh, this doctrine of grace, this gospel of grace. People would say, okay, if it's grace, then if God has redeemed us by grace, then should we sin more so grace may abound more? And Paul said, by no means. In other words, heck no, it was emphatic. What are you talking about, right? And so in verses 1 through 14, he reminds us of who we are so we can be who we are. He says, you have been baptized with Christ. You were raised to walk in newness of life. You were dead in sin. You're now dead to sin. You're a brand new creation. You know who you are so you can be who you are. You can't continue to live in sin, right? And so, so he closes out there in verse 14 by saying, we're, we're under grace, not under law. Now he knew again that that would co- create some issues. You know, one of my favorite movies, Is Remember the Titans. Most of you have seen that movie. Remember the Titans. It it is about uh, the forced integration of all-white T.C. Williams High School in Alexandria, Virginia and the role that the football team played in that forced integration. Denzel Washington plays the role of Coach Boone, the fiery coach who was picked to lead the football team and really picked to help with this integration issue in this day. One of my favorite scenes is when they're getting ready to leave for summer camp. The buses are pulled up, you know, and so you've got black players and white players and, 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 and all this is new and, and, and you got this one white all American, ignorant idiot football player, to be quite honest. He cops some attitude about this integration thing. And so Denzel, or Coach Boone, I should say, Coach Boone gets in his face and Coach Boone says, in front of all the parents who are there to drop their kids off, in front of all of the players, he says, who's your daddy? and the kid just looks at him and so he asked a little bit louder who's your daddy the kid didn't know what to do and he just looked at him and so he asked again who's your daddy and when he asked that time emphatic all the parents were listening to players and it got their all attention and the and the kid who caught the attitude said you are he made his point i own you i own you you know what that's the point that paul is going to make today our bottom line for today the take home is who's your daddy and the reason is because in chapter 6, verses 15 through 23, Paul is going to let us know that somebody is your master, and who you obey reveals who your master is. It's not a question, so who's your daddy? That's the, that's the, uh, it's, uh, it's not a question if, if you are mastered, it's who's your master, who's your daddy, right? So in, in verse 14, as he gets down, Paul said, you're not under grace, you're under law. And again, he knew that this would be misunderstood. He knew that the, the legalists would just get, they would roll their eyes. Here you go again, Paul. What in the world are you doing? You're just giving all these Christians a, a license to sin and do whatever they want to do. He knew that the libertarians would say, "You know what, man? If we're under grace, and not law, that means I can do anything I want to. I can I can sleep with my girlfriend all I want. I can get plastered all I want because my ticket to heaven's punched. So I can live like hell, right?" And so Paul then goes back in chapter uh, or verse 15, and he basically answers the same question again. He asks the same question rhetorically that he asked in verse one, and answers it. He really wants to drill this in our heads. So let's dive in and let's look. at at verse 15 of chapter 6. And we're going to go all the way through the end of the chapter. But in verse 15, he says this. What then? Now look at how similar this is to verse 1. In verse 1, he says, What then? Shall we sin more so grace may abound more? By no means. In verse 15, he says, What then? Are we to sin because we are not under law but under grace? By no means. Very similar question. He's drilling it in our head. Why? Because here's what happens. People will think, I'm under grace, not law. I've heard people claim that today. I've heard people claim, we're under grace, we're not under law. And people think what that means is Jesus did away with the rules. Jesus, that's awesome because Jesus did away with the rules. I'm under grace, not law. And that's cool because, you see, rules are sort of like your mama chaperoned the prom. I mean, it sort of cramps your style, right? And so rules are not good. Jesus did away with the rules. And, and because Jesus did away with the rules, man, I can party like a rock star and I can move into Playboy Mansion because there's no rules. Jesus did away from them. My, my, hit, my ticket to heaven's punched. I can do whatever I want, right? And Ligon Duncan, he calls this Outback Steakhouse Theology. And I love that. I mean, think about it. You know what Outback Steakhouse slogan is, don't you? No rules, just right. No rules, just right. You've heard that. Think about how stupid that slogan is. I mean, think about if I actually went to Outback Steakhouse and said, I'm going to live by your slogan. And I walk into Outback Steakhouse, and I take my wife, Amy, and we walk up. we got two of us, and she says, okay, that'll be 20 minutes. And I said, nope, not today. I walk over to the first table, shove the steak off the table, say, get up. I'm sitting here. No rules, just right. (laughs) Right? I mean, what if I got through eating? What if I got through eating by Outback Special? They brought me my ticket. I tore it up, walked out the door. No rules, just right. I walked the tab. What if some 500-pound dude comes and sits beside of me, he has no shirt on, his back is hairy as Sasquatch, and he's got Donald Trump tattooed on his belly? Man, I'm so sick I can't eat. And he looks at me and says, hey, buddy, no rules, just right. You see how stupid that is? Listen. The rules, I mean, p- p- that's the way people think about I'm under grace, I'm not under sin And so, I mean, I'm not under, under law, I'm under grace I can do whatever I want I can, I can sleep with more women than Hugh Hefner I can smoke more marijuana than Snoop Dogg on his birthday I'm good <laughs> My ticket is punched Listen, that's not what it means to be under grace, not law We're confused Some people believe that it means this Some people believe that it means, well, you know what? I don't have to keep the law, but I, want, I should want to keep the law, right? I mean, I don't have to tithe, uh, but, but I should want to. I don't have to get up on Sunday morning and go to church, but I should want to. And uh, That's not what it means. Now listen, don't get me wrong. You should want to keep the law. You are now redeemed. The Holy Spirit of God lives within you, right? And when the Holy Spirit of God lived within you, uh, within you when He redeemed you by His grace, His grace didn't just for, bring forgiveness, it brought transformation, transformation of mind you should now because the holy spirit lives within you be transforming be be being sanctified which means becoming like christ into the image of christ right the law reveals the character of god and i should be, be becoming like god i should want to because the holy spirit changes my desires okay so i should be able to say with the psalmist i love your law Lord, I meditate on it day and night. It is a lamp unto my feet. It is a light unto my path. I love it. That's what that, so we should want to obey God's law. Don't get me wrong. But grace doesn't mean that God's law is, is, is optional. As a matter of fact, Jeremiah 31. Jeremiah tells us that the new covenant Christian has the law written on our hearts. In other words, prior to the Holy Spirit invading our life, we had the law. The law tells us how to behave, but the law doesn't empower us. It doesn't give us the ability to obey, right? But now the Holy Spirit lives within us because I've been redeemed. I've been set free from slavery. It's no longer my master. It's no longer my daddy. I've been set free. The Holy Spirit lives within me, and now I am able to keep the law. It's written on my heart, right? And so grace, here's the misnomer. Grace doesn't lower the bar of obedience. It raises the bar. Grace doesn't diminish the law and do away with it. It fulfills it. Right? I mean, I hear this all the time when it comes to tithing. People are like, "Well, people that don't want to tithe, uh, that, that that don't understand the Bible, to be quite honest, they don't want to tithe, so they claim grace giving. Well, I'm not under law. Tithing is a law. I'm not under law. I'm under grace, so it's grace giving. That means I can give anything I want. Not one single person. Not one has ever told me that they believe in grace giving, and I always respond by saying, well, let me ask you something. I, I don't want to know exactly what you give, but do you at least give a tithe, 10%? Nobody will ever answer that because nobody ties that believes that they tip because they think grace lowers the standard. But here's what Jesus said. Grace don't lower the standard. Grace raises the standard. Jesus said this when, when it comes to Old Covenant, New Covenant. He said, you've heard it said, do not commit adultery. Remember that? But Jesus then said, you've heard it said don't commit adultery, but I tell you that if you commit adultery, I would prefer you didn't. But you're under grace, so don't worry about it. Don't sweat it. Is that what Jesus said? No. He said, you've heard it said don't commit adultery. I say, if you look at a woman with lust in your heart, you're committing adultery. I'm raising the bar. Grace raises it. doesn't lower it. Jesus said, you've heard it said, according to the Ten Commandments, the Old Covenant, the law, don't murder but you know what? If you get mad at somebody and knock them off, I mean, I'd prefer you didn't, but no big deal. It's under grace. Do your time. Live it out. You're under grace. He didn't say that. He said, you've heard it said don't murder. I say if you're angry. I'm ra- grace raises the bar because now you have the ability to keep the law that you didn't have before. So it raises it. Okay? And so, so it, it, the rules are not the problem. Sin is the problem, folks. It's not rules; it's sin that's the problem. And so, so uh, let's go into verses sixteen through eighteen. He says this: "Do you not know?" Now, remember, man. Over and over, he said, "Do you not know?" You got to know who you are to be who you are. You can't know without you can't grow without knowing. If you're knowing, you're, you're growing, right? And so, so he says here, do you not know again? In other words, folks, in all honesty, he's writing to the church. He's not writing to non-believers. He's writing to the church. He's talking to Christians. And what he says is, do you not know? In other words, this is remedial Christianity. This is Christianity 101. You guys should know this. You guys should get this by now. Do you not know that if you present yourself, very important to understanding this entire passage, you present yourself. Remember that phrase very important, that you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves. He's using an illustration of slavery to help us get it. As obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey. In other words, uh, it's going to be easy to tell who your master is because who you obey is who your master is, all right? He says, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God, remember that, very important. But thanks be to God, who He's giving thanks. Thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart. We're going to talk about all these phrases to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. Now, let's go on to verse 19. I, I, want, to, I want to go to verse 19. He says, I'm speaking in human terms. Because of your natural limitations, for just as you once presented your members as slaves, members members of your body, we talked about that last week, uh, Kyle preached here last week, so it's probably he probably you know looked over it uh, kidding uh, he did a great job i watch, for, or i didn 't watch it all, but he did a great job, I know because you know he 's Kyle so uh, for just as you presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. Now, here's, here's what he says. Paul says that to help us get it, he uses this illustration of slavery. And he really apologizes for it. In verse 19, he says, you know what, I'm, I'm talking about slavery. And he says, this is according to our human limitations. He apologizes for it because he knows, number one, it's a negative illustration. Slavery is godless. Slavery is uh, again. It should, if you're a believer, any kind of slavery, any kind of slavery should should make a pit in your stomach. It should cause you to be sick to your stomach because it is godless. It is against anything uh, uh, biblical whatsoever. And so he says, I'm using a negative example here, and it's not. It, it falls short as every illustration does. But slavery is a great illustration of a spiritual reality and that spiritual reality is you are all slaves we are all slaves to something something is our master either sin or righteousness you don't have an option and there is no third uh, uh, party there you are either a slave to sin or righteousness and who you obey will prove who your master is that's what Paul is trying to get us to understand here and Bob Dylan Man, some of you, you know, especially if you're a little bit older, you're Bob Dylan fans. I mean, uh, let's get real. You're Bob Dylan fan. Well, Bob Dylan sang a song, very popular song, You Gotta Serve Somebody. Remember that song? Yeah, some of you, all the older guys and young guys, huh? So, Bob Dylan, didn't he run for president? That was Bob Dole, right? You don't even remember him. So, uh, but Bob Dylan sang a song, You Gotta Serve Somebody, right? And here's what he said in the song, You Gotta Serve Somebody. It may be the devil, it may be the Lord, but you're gonna serve somebody, very popular. Made him a lot of money. Paul made him a lot of money because he, he ripped off Paul in chapter 6. Because that's what Paul says. Paul says you've got to serve somebody. You're either going to serve the devil, you're going to serve the Lord, but it's, you're going to serve somebody. And who you serve, uh, who you obey is going to reveal who your master is. This is elementary. You should know this. Now, I'm going to be honest. This is a little confusing. When I read this, And as I was studying it this week, and as I started studying I'm thinking, man, I I really got to get my brain around this in, in, in greater detail, because here's what I know the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that I was born into sin because of Adam and Eve. I was born dead in my sins, Ephesians 2. I was born dead, no spiritual heartbeat, separated from God. I was born a slave to sin. Sin was my master. It dominated me. It controlled me. I did what sin told me to do. There was none righteous, no, not one. Right, That's what the scriptures teaches. So I was born a slave to sin. But Paul teaches me and the scriptures teach me that when Jesus redeemed me, I died to sin. I was dead in sin. Now I died to sin, which means it doesn't mean sin doesn't have influence in my life. It doesn't mean I'm sinless. It means I should sin less, right? but I'm not sinless. So what it means is sin no longer has dominion. It has influence in my life. It has power in my life. Sin didn't die to me. I still commit sins, but it doesn't control and dominate me. So now here Paul's talking to Christians and saying, Hey, Christian, you're either going to be enslaved to sin or enslaved to obedience. And so that's a little confusing, to be honest. Because what does that mean? He set me free from the dominion of sin. How is he saying, Okay, I set you free from the dominion of sin, but you know what? You can can become a slave of sin again. It can dominate you again. How is that? It's confusing. Well, in order to understand that, you've got to understand the different types of slavery in the Roman world. One of the types of slavery is the slavery that we think of today because it flourished in america it caused the civil war which was a just war because it was over this very issue and it caused uh, the civil war and it was the slavery where young men and women from africa mainly were kidnapped captured shackled brought across the ocean in in, in shackles and put on a an auction block and sold to for their master to use abuse them and however way he wanted it was godless it was unbiblical it was horrible and it should make you sick to your stomach Right? And that's the kind of slavery we think about. It was the kind of slavery that was in Rome. Rome would go into places, Rome would conquer the world at that time, and they would bring home some of the captives and make them slaves. It was forced slavery. Those slaves from Africa, those slaves that the Romans conquered, uh, a lot of them, they did not have a choice in being a slavery. It was forced slavery. It wasn't temporary slavery, it was permanent slavery. Right? That's not the slavery Paul's talking about. That's the slavery we're born into. That's the, at birth, I'm separated from God. I'm born under the dominion of sin because of inherited sin. Right? I'm born into that. I sin, sin controls me. It dominates me. Right? I can't... I mean, so, so that's the slavery I'm born into. That's not the context Paul's talking about. There was a different kind of slavery in the Roman world. It was called indentured slavery. Indentured slaves were people who were free... But they had gotten into such debt that they couldn't pay their debt off, and they would present themselves. They would present themselves to the one whom they were in debt to, as a way to pay off their debt in service. They would pay off their debt. That's why Paul said, "You present yourself." You see, you don't uh, permanent slaves don't present themselves. It's not a choice they make. They don't say, I want to be a slave, and I'm going to present myself to you to use and abuse. It's not, it's not a choice. It, it is forced, right? You can't leave. You're shackled. That's how we're born. But when Jesus redeems us, we're set free. Sin no longer has dominion. It no longer has power. I allow it to have influence in my life, and I'm not sinless, but I should sin less because I can, because the Holy Spirit lives within me, and it no longer controls me. But here's what happens. Many Christians go right back to sin and present themselves. It's a decision you make. See, you make a decision as a Christian. You don't make a decision before. You make a decision as a Christian. I'm going to present myself to serve God as his slave, or I'm going to present myself and I'm going to go back to my sins. Is that not ridiculous? When you see a slave that's set free, would it not look ridiculous for that slave? And I'm not talking about slave of a good master if there is such a thing, a, a, a master that's good to the slave. I'm talking about a slave that beat him down. A slave that literally uh, you know, beat, beat him and, and tortured him and, and worked him to the bone and, I mean, didn't feed him and, I mean, his life was ruined. And all of a sudden he's set free and he goes back and you would say, what are you doing? Don't go back. That's exactly what Christians do. They present themselves as slaves to sin again. Not that that sin can dominate and control you spiritually, but you're presenting yourself to serve sin. That's what Paul is talking about. That's the kind of slavery here that he's talking about. And so Paul says to Christians, Who's your daddy? Are you going to obey God? Are you going to, as believers who've been justified and redeemed, are you going to go back and present yourself to be a slave of sin? Who's your master? Who's your daddy? Now verse 17, look at what, look at what he said in verse 17. In verse 17 he said, Thanks be to God, because you who were once slaves of sin have been set free. You were once, he says, thank, thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching. Now, that's important. Why? Because who did Paul think that were no longer a slave to God, a uh, sin? He thanked God. He's going back to grace. He says, just so you remember, you did not earn your salvation. You didn't do anything to merit your salvation. You didn't do anything to earn God's approval. It was sola gracia, grace alone. It was all God. Thanks be to God. He didn't say, man, I'm thankful to God, and I'm thankful that you got it. I'm thankful to God, and I'm thankful that you had the intellectual capacity to understand. Thanks be to God. Your salvation, if you're a Christian, is all God. You need to remember that. That's what Paul says over and over in chapter, or or, through Romans, really, in all of his writing. So that, that should cause me to be motivated, and that's what he says. When I understand, God, you saved me. I didn't merit it. I didn't do anything for it. I couldn't earn it. God... I understand that I was lost, I was dead, I was a slave, I did nothing, and you came along and captured me. That makes me want to serve you. That's why he said that you uh, obeyed the teaching uh, from the heart, the standard of teaching. Now, the standard of teaching is the gospel of grace. It's the gospel of grace. You see, in that day, the Jews, the Pharisees, was all about you've got to keep the law, 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 keep the law. They added all these rules to the law that were extra biblical. you got to keep all these too or you're not right with God. The Judaizers, they come along and they said, Jesus is cool, Jesus is great, faith is great, grace is great, but you also have to be circumcised, you also have to obey the, the law, or, or you're not going to be right with God. So that was not the standard of teaching. The standard of teaching is the gospel of grace. Paul said that's the standard of teaching and because of the gospel of grace, you understand I was dead, I was a slave. Man, I I was gone and Jesus redeemed me and it wasn't any of my effort. That should motivate you from the heart to obey him. From the heart. You see, in other words, here's what happens. A lot of people look at God's, because the enemy blinds Christians sometimes, the enemy messes with our perception of God's rules and God's law, right? Right? And what's beautiful and freeing, the enemy makes restricting and and, and he makes, you know, boring and binding in our eyes. I mean, so what a lot of people do is they say, well, I know God says don't have sex with my girlfriend. So, man, I I know I'm going to miss a lot of fun. And I'm going to, I mean, man, but God says not to. So I'm not going to have sex with my girlfriend. You see, I, I wouldn't be obeying from the heart. Right? That's begrudging obedience. And I, I mean, no, it, it, that, that, oh, I, know, I know God says to tithe. And man, I could, I could go to, on all these vacations. And man, I could have the sweet, sweet boat. I could have this incredible uh, house. I could have all this stuff. If I, but but I've got to tithe, so I'm going to tithe. And I hope God takes notice. I'm, that's begrudging. That's not what Paul said. Paul, listen, here's what the world, the world looks at a man, to be quite honest, who has faithful to his wife. And, and, and the world looks at that man, see the world would call me a fool, because the world would look at that man and say, you've had sex with one woman for 30 years? Are you kidding me? Do you realize how much fun you've, you realize how much you've missed out on? That's what the world says. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says that's a blessed and happy man. Isn't that crazy? You see, see, we got we're, we're, our perception about, the, and that's why Paul says from the heart. The world looks at someone who ties and gives generous and says, "Man, do you, you're giving that to, to the church. Do you realize what you could do with that money? How much fun you could have with that money? I mean, heck, we're going over here. You can't, are you can't." And, the, and you know what the Bible says? The Bible says the person who is generous is a blessed and happy person. You see, so, so what, what, it's not the rules that's the problem, it's sin, and, and, and the rules, God's laws are good, but the enemy makes them look binding and boring, and he makes them look like a cramp or style, but in reality, the law is for our gladness and God's glory. I want you to think about it for a moment. Think about Adam and Eve in their pre-sin days. Think about Adam and Eve in their created state. They were created, they were sinless. Right? I mean, they, they had this beautiful, unhindered relationship with God, and He gave them some commands. He told them, What? Do not eat of the tree that's in the middle of the garden. Everything else you can eat. And what did the enemy do? He made, it, he made them think God's rules were binding, God's rules were restricting, God's rules were cramping their style. And now we have the ability to look back. And we look back and we say, "Adam and Eve, don't bite the fruit." Are you kidding me? God told you, I, "Don't, don't fall for it, Adam and Eve." And listen, we do the same thing every day, because every day we're presented with the fruit of temptation, and every day you and I are presented with the fruit, and we think I'm the exception. Man, just this one, I'm the exception, I can do this, Uh, God, this is restricting, God doesn't understand, and we do it. And it might be a minute, it might be an hour, it might be a day, a week, a month, a year, but we look back and go, don't do it, why did we do that? every time we go uh, against God's rules because the enemy makes us believe his rules are binding, his rules are restricting. Now, think about Adam and Eve. Think about the other rules. We, we think about that one, but what other rules did God give them? What other commands did he give them? Well, let me, let me give you one. He told Adam, Adam, I've created you, and here's what I want. I command you to be my vice ruler, be my vice regent. I want you to rule the world I created. Man, that's restricting, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, man, I can't have any fun. I'm ruling the world. I mean, I, I'm, I'm in charge of everything. I mean, wow, God, he, sure, that's cramping my style. Here's another one. Let's see. Adam and Eve, here's what I command you to do. Be fruitful and multiply. Let me translate that. Have a lot of sex. Boy, I don't know, but God, he, he wants me to have a lot of sex. Boy, he, he's just cramping my style. He said no man ever, right? I, I mean, I, I mean, are you kidding me? My point is, God's rules are awesome. They're for our gladness, and they're for God's joy. I mean, they're for our gladness, God's joy, and God's glory, right? It's the enemy that makes the rules, his law, look binding. And he gives us his law because his law is our, his character, It reveals his character. And as we become like him, that's what brings joy. I mean, that's what Paul says. He said, you used to be slaves to sin, which led to lawlessness, and which in turn led to more lawlessness. In other words, he said, you tell a sin, what do you have to do? You tell another sin to cover up that sin, right? I mean, you have, you, you're having an affair on your wife? Well, you're telling lies to cover up the affair that you're having on your wife. I, I mean, it just leads to more sin and more sin. You, you, all you got to do is think of David. I mean, David, you know, he, he, he committed a sin of lust, lusted after a woman, he looked at her, which wasn't a sin in and of itself, but then when he kept looking at her and and, and undressing her in his mind, so to speak, and lusting, that was sin. He committed lust, he went the next step, he invited her over. Wrong, she's married, why did he invite her over? He committed the next step, he had sex with a married woman, got her pregnant, killed her husband. Do you see, he said lawlessness, which just keeps leading to more lawlessness, it's a sinful cycle that brings, what did he say? Unhappiness, death into your life. That's what he said. It, 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 he said, so you used to present your bodies as slaves to sin, which led to lawlessness. But now, remember the question he's answering. Should, should we just sin because we're under grace, not law? Paul says, but now present the members of your body as slaves of obedience, which leads to sanctification and holiness, which in turn leads to happiness and joy. You see, it's so funny. Now think about how crazy our world is. Think about what our culture and what the world has got you to believe. You've bought in to this deal that what is true happiness? Being able to be free and do whatever I want to do. Don't you remember when you were a teenager and some of you are teenagers now and as a teenager, don't you remember? I mean, you're thinking, man, I, when I have the keys to my car, man, when I get out from under my parents, I'm going to be free. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm gonna, I can be free. But see, our culture teaches us, the, the enemy through our culture has caused us to buy into this lie that true happiness is being free to do whatever we want to do with whomever we want to do it, whenever we want to do it, Right? I mean, that's what our our culture is teaching us. So, in other words, we think, man, true happiness, man, I can get drunk whenever I want to get drunk. I can have sex with whomever I want to have sex with whenever I want to have sex. I mean, I can do whatever I want to do. and, and, And we think, that's fun. That's fun. True freedom is doing whatever. The absence of rules, really. Yeah, that's, that's, that's right. I mean, man, the next time that you're taking your penicillin to, you know, try to cure your gonorrhea, then the next time you say, oh, every time I take that, boy, that was fun, wasn't it? Right? I mean, every time, you know, that you're scratching the scabs on your face because you're meth addiction and your teeth are rotted out of your head, just look in the mirror and go, boy, I lost another tooth. But that was fun because I was doing whatever I wanted to do. Right? I mean, the next time that, that you drop your kids off at your wife's house because you had them for the weekend— and because the reason you got them for the weekend is because your wife left you because you were doing whatever you wanted to do with another woman, and that was fun. Just that will remind you every time you drop them off the door, boy, I was having a lot of fun because I was doing whatever I wanted to do. Right? I mean, all those things are fun if you're a moron, right? I mean, they're not fun. They're restricting. They kill you. They suck the life out of you. They literally drain your life. That's what Paul's teaching here. And and so let's go on in verses 20 through 23. I better because that got a little, uh, uh, I I, I probably went farther than I should have. So uh, (laughs) verses 20 through 23. Here we go. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. In other words, man, you were slaves of sin. You didn't have to obey righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at the time from the things in which you were now ashamed of? For the end of those things is death. And those things is death. What were you getting? He said, he says, but now that you have been set free from sin, you have become slaves of God. The fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wage of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, Paul said, if being free to do whatever you want is fun, then why does it bring so much shame? And he says, for those of you who are in Christ, here's what I want you to think about. He says, are you ashamed of the things that you did before Christ? Are, are, are you ashamed of those things? I mean, you know, you were doing whatever you wanted to do, and you think it was fun. Are, 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 you, are you ashamed? What fruit did it bring? Are you proud of being a drunk? Are you proud of, of your, your drug addiction? And are, are you proud of you know th- that you were a sexual pervert? Are you? I mean, are you, are you proud of those things? Are those things shameful? Think about the fruit you presented yourselves to sin. Think about the fruit of those things. Are you ashamed of those things? Are you ashamed? Are you proud of the fact that, man, I don't have a family now because all I did was focus on my job. And I'm proud that now, man, I, I've got the position I want. I don't have a family, but I'm proud of that because i got the position I want. Are you proud of that? Does it, Paul said, what's the fruit? The fruit is shame. Are you ashamed of the things that you used to do? You know, I, I mean, are you, are you ashamed? And, and some of you are going, yeah, man, you talk about those, uh, you know, the, 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 the porn and talk, talk about all that thing. But let me ask you, are you ashamed of, of the fact that you used to gossip about everybody and everything to make yourself look better? You'd run everybody down? Are you ashamed of that? Listen, are you proud of that? That's what Paul is saying. He's saying sin, you know, what you think is fun, what you think is fun. And here's my point over the last five minute tirade. Here's my point. What you think is fun will end up killing you. It ends up killing you. It ends up enslaving you. It ends up sucking the life out of every part of your being. That's what Paul is saying. And listen, you need to memorize verse 23. You need to memorize verse 23. Verse 23 is, uh, man, one of the mountaintop verses of the Bible. I, I use this verse every time I share the gospel with someone. You know, for the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You need to memorize that verse. I I use it in evangelism. It's a part of helping people understand, listen, if you are here today and you are not a believer in Jesus Christ, you've not been redeemed because you haven't placed your faith in him, then what you need to understand is you're spiritually dead. That means you're separated from God. That's what death is. You're separated from God right now. And if you physically die before you spiritually surrender to Jesus and you're redeemed by Jesus, then you will be separated from him in spiritual death from all, of etern- all eternity in a real place called hell. That's what that verse means, right? Spiritual death. Wage of sin is death. It contrasts, it contrasts wages with gifts. What's a wage? A wage is something I earn, Right? I mean, you earn your wage. You're going to get up, you're going to go to work tomorrow. And uh, you're going to go to work and you're going to earn a wage for your work. You, you're going to get paid in a week. You're going to get paid in two weeks at the end of the month, however you get paid. But when you get paid, your boss is not going to come to you and say, here's the stub for the direct deposit and here's a gift for you, this stub. It's, you'd look at it and it'd be your paycheck. You'd get angry with that. That wasn't a gift. I. Earn that that's what I, I i earned you got my services i earned that wage right paul said what you earn for sin is death spiritual death separated from god your heart your physical heart's beating uh you're functionally alive but you're spiritually dead no spiritual life until unless you're redeemed by jesus forever right but he says now let me talk about the but but the free gift of god See, contrast, wage and a gift. I earn a wage. Man, I, I, I don't earn a gift. If I earn it, it's not a gift. It's a wage. If I don't earn it, I don't do anything for it, then it's a gift. The free gift of God, why is it a free gift? It's a free gift because I didn't work for it. I didn't earn it. I didn't earn God's approval. I didn't merit it. I, I, it was a free gift of God's grace. But the free gift of God is eternal life. So Paul says, listen, uh, he goes back to grace. He's hammering grace. All through, this, all through this chapter. Now, I use that for evangelism. I, I use it every time I share the gospel. And, it, and it's a great verse to do that. But what I want you to see is the context of the verse is in a passage where he's writing to Christians. So why is he talking to Christians about the wages of sin being death? So to be honest, that's a little confusing Just like the slavery aspect is a little confusing. Because Paul said I was born dead in my sins and trespasses in Ephesians 2. Dead. Jesus redeemed me, gave me spiritual life. I was buried with Christ in baptism, raised to walk in newness of life. So I was dead, Jesus redeemed me, gave me life. Paul says, he's talking to Christians, he's talking about Christians who present themselves, not forced slavery. They've made a conscious decision, I, I, I'm going to go back and I'm going to live in this lifestyle of slavery, lifestyle of sin. He's not talking about committing sins, he's talking about I'm going to, I'm going to live in this lifestyle. Whether it's adultery, whether it's, 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 it's you know drug addiction, whether it's drunkenness, whatever lifestyle it is, I'm presenting myself to that as a Christian. It's foolish, you can't do it, that's your master, Right? So, But he he was talking about indentured slavery, not uh, permanent slavery. Now he says the wage of sin is death. What's he talking about? I'm I'm alive now spiritually. I have a spiritual heartbeat. Does that mean if I present myself to slavery that, again, I, I, I lose my spiritual life, I die spiritually again? Never. That's what Paul said. There is therefore in Romans 5, 8, now no condemnation for those who are in Jesus. So he doesn't mean that. When I present myself as as a slave, an indentured slave, I look foolish. He says it brings death. He doesn't mean spiritual death. That that I, I'm dead spiritually and not connected to God and separated from him anymore. The word he uses for wages here is not the wage that you get at the end of the pay period. You know, that's what you get at the end of the pay period. That's your check. Well, or at the end of your life where you're separated from God now, you, you get forever ever in all eternity, separation from God and hell. That's not the word he uses. The word he uses for wages is daily wage of a Roman soldier. In other words, a Roman soldier, every day he would do his job, he would get his food. He would do his job, he would get his food. So what Paul is talking about is what you earn as a Christian. He, so so let, let me wrap all this up and say what Paul said here. He, he, he used this illustration of slavery and death. Because those are two metaphors that he uses all through Scripture to describe our B.C. days. Before Jesus, you were a slave to sin. It dominated, it controlled you. He redeemed you. You're set free from sin. It no longer dominates, it no longer controls you. It has influence, it has power. But you can go back as a Christian and present yourself to the very thing that enslaved you, and it can still be your master because you can still obey it. Don't do that, it's foolish. And then he's talking about death, and he says, listen, you are spiritually dead, B.C., you have no heartbeat. B.C., you have literally, uh, you're functionally alive, but you're spiritually dead. Jesus redeems you, breathes life into you. Now you're spiritually alive. You're connected to God. You're redeemed. You are reconciled to God. And he says, but the wage of sin is death. And he doesn't mean you spiritually die again. What he means is, when you go back and you present yourself as an indentured slave of sin, it sucks every bit of life out of you on a daily basis. That's what this verse actually means. He means the wage. What you're going to earn, you can go back and and live in sin, but what you're going to earn is, man, it's going to suck the life out of you. Let me give you some example. Over half of all Christian men, over half of all Christian men are in slavery. They are a Christian. They've been redeemed by Jesus, but they are enslaved to pornography. Sin no longer dominates and controls, but they've presented themselves As slaves to pornography, even though they can quit any time they want, right? You're a slave to it. And what ends up happening? It ends up sucking the life out of killing your marriage, killing your desire for your wife. The wage of sin is death. It kills your marriage. It kills your desires. It kills your sexual intimacy. Let me tell you, Christians, Christians, they're redeemed. And then they become slaves of, they present themselves as indentured slaves to drugs and become a drug addict. And and man, I hear it, and and here's what you hear. Well, you know, but I I, I didn't just like go out and just buy drugs. I mean, I I hurt my back. There's no excuses, okay? Get rid of the excuses. You're not going to get excuses because there are no excuses. Because when when you have an excuse, then you're not owning it. You can't dismiss it. Whatever reason, you present yourself, you're a slave to it, and it's killing your life. Man, it's killed your finances. It drains your bank account. It kills you. That's the wage of sin is death. I mean, some of you, you know, you, you present yourself, and, 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 man, you're up here right now. It's like I said, and some of you go, oh, yeah, man, get them, Pat, because you're talking about, I mean, you're talking about the pornography people. You're talking about the drug addicts. Man, why don't you go ahead and hit the homosexuals because you hit the adulterers. Well, let me, let me, listen, you present, you don't tithe, you don't steward your money, and, and, and let me tell you, but you don't steward your money, and then it kills your life because you've got the creditors calling you. You're worried about, man, what, what am I going to do, this financial stress that's in your life? Or what about this? You gossip, you're bitter, it's killing your friendships. Why is anybody going to be your friend? The people you think are your friends are not your friends because you, you gossip and you're bitter and nobody wants, and it's killed you because you've presented yourself as, as an indentured slave of gossip, which is a sin and bitterness, right? And so, so he says the wages of sin is death, but he compares the payout for sin to the payout For obedience. It's eternal life. It's sanctification. It's joy and it's happiness. Because let me tell you something. When when I am faithful to my wife, when I am faithful to my wife, man, let me tell you something. Uh, The world would say, oh man, you you, you know, you're missing out on a lot of fun. But the Bible says happy and blessed is the man. Let me tell you something, man. That doesn't suck the life out of me, faithfulness to my wife. Let me tell you what it does. Man, it gives me life. I'm not worried about my wife finding out something I'm doing. Man, when I don't tell a lie, I'm not worried. Listen, when I run into you, I, I'm not worried about anything that any of you would hear that I said about you. I'm not a slave to that. And so when I run into you, I'm like, oh, gosh, I hope they haven't heard what I've been talking about. Because I've not said anything about nobody. I don't say anything about anybody. I wouldn't say to their face. I've got a whole bunch of witnesses, right? They'll tell you that. Listen, You're free. You're free. Man, when you're, when you're steward your money properly, you're free because you stewarded it properly. And so, I mean, man, you're not having the financial trouble and you're pulling your hair out. You know what causes the two biggest arguments, three biggest arguments in marriage? I mean, sex, money, and kids, right? <laughs> sex, money, and kids. Sex leads to kids. But the answer is not quit having sex so you don't have kids. That's not the answer. The answer is, what does God say about these issues? What does God say? Because I can be a slave to sex. I can be a slave to money. I can be a slave to my selfish desires. And all those things, I'm not free. Or I can, I can, listen, I can understand what God says about sex. I can understand what God says about money. I can understand what God says about parenting. Doesn't mean nothing. It's going to be stress-free, but it means I'm going to be free. Here's the paradox. You want to be truly free in life? You've got to present yourself to be a slave of righteousness. A slave of God. You want to be truly alive, you've got to die to your sin. You've got to die to yourself. That's the paradox. That's the whole Christian paradox. And so Paul has spent an entire chapter answering the same question twice. Hey, Paul, if it's all about grace, should I sin more so grace may I abound? Heck no. What are you talking about? Do you not know who you are? Be who you are. Hey, hey, Paul, if I'm under grace, not law, can I just... Live like hell because my ticket to heaven's punched. Heck no. What are you talking about? You don't go back to the slavery of the thing that kills you, that sucks the life. Here's the thing that brings joy and happiness. You, you, you don't go back and, and, and present yourself as an indentured slave and die every day. That's not what you do. What are you talking about? You're set free from sin, not set free from the law. You're set free to keep the law. Now you have the ability to keep the law. That's what Paul says. And so if you're not a believer, what I would have you to understand today is, have you to hear today is that you are spiritually dead. You are functionally alive. You have a physical heartbeat, but you're spiritually dead. You're separated from God. And the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. If you want to know how to appropriate that gift, we would love to talk to you about what that means. Come back and talk to us. If, you're not a, if you are a believer today, then I would have you to say, as Paul is saying here, that he is thankful to God that God redeemed you, and now you have obeyed the standard of teaching from the heart. Man, you are set free by God's grace, and His grace should motivate you to run hard after His heart. That's what he's saying. Not give you the freedom to do whatever you want to do. Because what you want to do ought to change, yes. But sometimes, to be quite honest, I've heard that. I've heard that all my life from preachers. Well, you can do what you want to do, but what you want to do ought to change. That's true. But let me tell you, today, I don't always want to do the things that are of God. Sometimes I want to do what's sin. But you know what? It's not optional. I I, I want to obey God. But even when I don't, it's not optional. I obey God because He is my master. Right? And that leads to life. That leads to happiness. That leads to joy because his rules, his laws are always for my gladness and for his glory. Always. They're not restricting. They're not binding. Man, they are life-giving and they are freeing. And that is where life is found. And if you're a believer today, you should understand, God, it's by your grace. It is only by your grace. And today, man, because of your grace, I just want to worship you. I, i'm set free to pursue you i'm set free to run hard after you and i want to pursue you and i want to honor you uh and, and i want to live in a way that makes you smile because it is by your grace that i am saved and so michael's going to come out and michael is going to sing in our, our, our band and here's what we're going to respond and it's a time of response and we're going to respond by giving our tithes and offerings we're going to respond by you worshiping, by you praising, by you praying, by you confessing. Uh, hopefully, we're going to, some of you are going to respond by coming back and saying, I, I, I need Jesus. I'm, I'm not a believer, and I need Jesus. We'll help you with those things. Man, I, I, I want you to understand, I am grateful for this church. And Romans is not an easy book to understand. It's not an easy book to preach. And, man, I'm I'm grateful for this church and allowing us to be real and preach the Word. Uh, And, uh, listen, you might think, man, he went a little too far there. You come back week after week, all right? We go a little too far. Uh, You might think I go too far. You go back. you got to hear every passage, all right? Because, listen, uh, if, if we sounded hard on drug addicts and homosexuals and, and adulterers and people who are bitter, listen, here's the thing. It's because we have gra- we, we, God's grace and we understand it and we want you to understand it. We don't want you to be a slave to it. So, I man, this is, this is a real church. That's all I'm trying to say. This is a real church that's going to deal with real issues and we're not going to play the religious games. And thank you for letting us be that and do that, all right? And so we're going to respond now. Michael, come on out. I'm going to pray. Michael's going to sing. You respond. Father, we love you so much. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for loving us. Thank you, Father, that you have set us free from sin and help us to not present ourselves to sin. God, help us to enjoy the life you've given and not present ourselves to death that it brings from sin. God, I pray that today you would redeem people. I pray that today we would understand, and from our heart, as you say, from our heart, Lord, in verse 17, that we would literally run hard after your laws, after your commands, after your statutes. We love you. We praise you. We adore you. Forgive us for what we fail you. Help us not to present our bodies as, as slaves to sin. Help us to honor you in all we do. In Jesus' name, amen.